0: stories are never just our own. We shape the lives of those we come into contact with just as much as they shape ours. I believe that the universe was designed this way. It's how we've evolved as a species. Our beings physically need each other to survive. The reflection of another is paramount for us to see ourselves more clearly through the lens of someone else. We've come to the point in my story where a strong mirror became a significant part of my life. Remember the friend who introduced me to my medicine man? Who held me in a sweet loving embrace of mercy during our first medicine ceremony? Yeah, I'm talking about that friend. To honor his privacy and keep things anonymous, I'll be referring to him as Adam. Since you don't know him from Adam. Now, Adam and I tried dating for a while when I was very first starting to work with my medicine man. But it was a short stint that didn't end great. After we ended our small fling, we did a ceremony with our medicine man called putting someone in the fire, which is a way of separating your energy from another in a very permanent way so as to be able to move on more whole. I remember my medicine man warning us that if you try to take someone out of the fire once they've been put in, you get burned. Wounded and prideful, I was intent on being done and moving on because I was a strong independent woman who don't need no man. So I was fine with the no take back policy. We did continue to see one another at the healing circles, And eventually our friendship mended as time went on and I was completely content and happy. But then we went to that first medicine ceremony together. It was the first time for both of us and going through such a brutal transformational healing experience was something I later heard called trauma bonding. Making it through really difficult and challenging life experiences and coming out on the other side creates a level of trust that is impossible to manufacture. It is only by going through those harrowing life experiences that those ties can be born, which is why they're rare. Adam and I have gone through many, many rounds of trauma bonding, and today we're talking about the beginnings. Two days after returning from that first medicine ceremony, I was lying in bed at home alone. Starting to fall asleep, I remember staring at the twilight shadows dancing on my ceiling when I started having a vision. Now, I've never been one for visions, seeing the dead, glimpsing the future, or anything like that up until this point. So it kind of freaked me out a bit. In the vision, Mother Earth and the Creator were standing in my room, wrapped up together in a blanket. They were there as clear as day, and I think I actually pinched myself to make sure I wasn't dreaming this. Like, actually pinched myself. And there they stood, smiling and beaming at me, a light emanating from them like the light of the moon. They told me that Adam was the one. And I immediately got mad. No, he's not. There's no way. Is this some kind of sick joke? No, they said. He's the one. But I put him in the fire, and there's no getting out of that. Are you sure this isn't some sick joke? To have found the one, and now I can't be with him? Are you kidding me? Rebecca, they said more firmly. He's the one. Nope. Not buying it. This is just some silly fantasy in my head. It's my imagination making things up right now. This is not real. Rebecca. He is the one. They continued to reiterate over and over and over, despite my endless, stubborn arguments. I thought to myself, well, that really sucks then because I put him in the fire and I said I was done. Continuing to tell myself that it was all a load of bull... Flustered and irritated, I drifted off to sleep. The next day, I saw my medicine man at the Healing Circle. We were all sharing our experiences from the medicine ceremony the weekend before, and I asked to go first. Adam was late, and I was hoping to get some clarity from my medicine man a trusted professional, on the ridiculous Biblical-level vision I'd had the night before. He told me it was possible for Adam to come out of the fire. He could be the one, if he repented enough. He warned me that he feared Adam might not really try to be worthy of me, which I confirmed I was fine with, since I wasn't interested in more than a friendship anyway stubbornly keeping my quills out my medicine man could see i didn't want to discuss it further from there so he let me stay indignant not to mention adam had finally arrived so he let it rest but everyone in the circle watched the two of us like hawks the entire remainder of the evening with knowing eyes and smirking lips i pretended not to notice and then everything changed Without any prompting or encouragement from me, Adam had done a complete 180. He wanted to hang out all the time, going on fun adventures together, planning exciting activities, taking classes, and going on camping trips together. Adam was all about spending time with me, and I didn't hate it. But I also knew he had a long trip coming up very soon. He was going to Fiji to visit a friend who lived there, for a few months during the winter, so I didn't allow myself to think too much more of it. And I also was planning and looking forward to dating other people while he was gone, convincing myself he was just really enjoying time together as friends. On the way to drop him off at the airport, he told me he loved me and wanted to be in a committed relationship with me. I was floored and a little frustrated to be honest. I was flustered that my plans to be fine being on my own were getting ruffled. Being in a committed long-distance relationship? Really? You waited until now to drop the I love you bomb? But I'd be lying if that voice didn't say in the back of my head, Rebecca, he's the one. So I softened, finally allowing myself to indulge in that spark of hope, to be open to loving again. I realized that I loved him too. I think I had fallen in love with him at least a little bit the very first day I met him. And with that I love you still fresh on my lips, away he went across the world. The time difference was challenging. Not to mention he was in a remote village with little to no access to the internet unless he went into town. But he had no car, so communication was sparse. But it was exciting to be building these intimate ties from so far away. My inner romantic was swooning at the email correspondence and the treasured Skype phone call. I also knew I had a lot of work to do on my own from what was unearthed during the medicine ceremony. It brought up a lot around my abandonment issues, problems with my dad, with men, past relationship patterns, all of those kinds of things. But being in a supportive, loving relationship made it safer than ever for all of these issues to be addressed. So I kept my nose to the grindstone as parts of my spirit were awakening and coming back alive, left and right. While Adam was off tackling his own challenges on his own adventure, I was tackling mine. A few weeks into him being gone, I had a particularly challenging shift in my awakening journey. Remember the core wounds I talked about in last week's episode? Well, mine finally came out from hiding. My medicine man was discussing with another person about how our current relationships as adults will often recreate our greatest imbalances we had experienced as children, as a way of working things out. I sat and thought to myself how most of my romantic relationships were really, really unhealthy and dysfunctional. Not wanting to recreate that pattern, with Adam, I sat and got lost in my own thoughts. And a memory that had been buried away in a very dark place returned. Memory of being sexually abused as a child. I wasn't really ready to unpack it entirely because it was a lot and my brain needed to let it marinate a little bit for a while. So I kept it pretty close to the vest. A week later, it was my birthday, and I didn't have anything special planned other than going to the healing circle, per usual. My mom had called me in the afternoon to wish me a happy birthday, and I did confide in her that there might be more to my sexual abuse than when my babysitter's daughter had done some inappropriate things to me. I wasn't ready to share, but just let her know that it was more than that that new memories had come up. My mom was very kind and understanding and told me, I can take the jar off the shelf, but I don't have to open it. I can open it whenever I am good and ready. When I showed up to the healing circle, I had something else in mind of what I was going to work on with my medicine man but someone else had already brought up the same subject right before me, so I was out of luck on that topic and out of ideas. My medicine man had apparently noticed the week before that something had come up and asked if I would like to talk about that. I didn't really want to, but I figured it was time to rip off the band-aid. Terrified and shaking, I told them I had some memories come up of being molested as a child by someone I knew. The details weren't all there, but what was there was crystal clear. The details of what I remembered, the specific color of the walls, details of the carvings on the furniture in the room, the crack in the ceiling, the smell of the sheets, the pillow beneath my head, being touched, held, lovingly but it felt wrong, arm hair scratching my face, feeling like I can't move, like I can't say anything even if I wanted to, I couldn't, I had to be quiet. It spoke to the fear and confusion of being young and unable to process what was most definitely happening to me. It was steeped in shame and anger and guilt and fear and too many feelings for any young mind to possibly wrap around so I tucked it away keeping the secret so safe I even kept it from myself as I recanted the details I fell into the most shy childlike place again I felt my voice frozen and small fear pulsing through my limbs as though I'd be in trouble once the words escaped me I felt bad, wrong, dirty, shameful, like it was all my fault. I wanted to blame it on my imagination, but no amount of arm-pinching could debate the sincerity of that unearthed memory. There were many, many times, then and since, that I wanted self-doubt to win, to put the jar back on the shelf. But after I had opened it, there was no going back. My core wound had been exposed. My medicine man gave me some solid and comforting advice. We don't need all the pieces of the puzzle to know what the picture contains. A boundary had been crossed by someone I knew, loved, and trusted. And there's no coming back from that. As adults, we always want to know the shade of severity. We feel a need to know every hairy detail. But to the mind of a child, there is no difference between rape and light molestation. There's right and wrong, safe and not safe, life before and life after. It is very black and white. It is heartbreaking and earth-shattering. So he proceeded to help me heal and recover as if it were the very worst case scenario, treating the situation with seriousness and respect because we didn't have the whole picture, he took care to be thorough. While it was monumentally overwhelming to uncover and it put me in a state of PTSD for a few years, I felt a pressure had been released after a lifetime of building. It took a medicine ceremony and the tender love of a partner who was also safely half a world away for me to face the origin of all the turmoil, imbalance, and unhappiness that had unexplainably plagued my life. But the clarity it gave me was worth it. To fully be able to see myself and not feel like I'm somehow missing something or that there's something wrong with me but having no clue as to what that is. The veil had dropped and I was able to really start seeing my own healing process into fruition. I felt that was the day my life started to live in total and complete truth. As harsh and brutal as the truth can be, it is infinitely better than being left to stumble around through the dark, confused and alone. My truth indeed did set me free. I can see now how perfectly everything unfolded for me to be able to face this, through the reflection and support of others to learn and remember how to love and to tend to myself. As the late Ram Dass said, we are all just walking each other home. Thanks for listening and strolling with me, fellow Earthwalkers.